Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There we go. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, April 24, 2023. It's about 1030 in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Ray McGovern joins us now for what is happily his regular uh, Monday session with us. Ray, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, coming back on the show. Um, NBC News reported over the weekend, and it, it seems to be uh, substantiated, uh, that uh, the young man, Jack Teixeira, was sharing top secret documents with the members of his um, chat room in February of 22. Now, that's 14 months earlier than the government originally said it was. How could he possibly have been sharing top secret documents with strangers going all the way back to the beginning of the war without anybody in the Defense Department or the CIA knowing about it? Well, it doesn't speak, it doesn't speak very well for the security procedures, does it? Uh, I don't know enough about these small little chat rooms uh, to be able to say that uh, the government should have been on to this right away. There are a proliferation of them, thousands, I understand. So uh, it could be that uh, there was a sort of an honest uh, incompetence. On the other hand, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that headlines appeared in the Washington Post, BBC, even a little bit in the New York Times, when people decided that they would let out the news that the war is lost in Ukraine, that we've been lied to, that the Ukrainians have no air defense anymore, that they're running out of ammunition. Uh, the whole schmear is out there now. And uh, that's what really matters, the provenance or how it got there exactly or how Teixeira was able to get some of these documents remains a puzzle. Is this likely uh, to result uh, in any change in public policy, or is the government just going to ask its friends <clears throat> in the media downplay it, Wh which is happening? This is not on the front yeah. pages anymore. I mean, two weeks ago, this was the greatest security leak since uh, Daniel Ellsberg. Uh, the Washington Post seems to be coming out with a little bit more each day, and all of it is very, very negative towards the government. Nobody else is covering it. Yeah, it's it's odd in that respect, but if it, if it reflects, as I suspect, a uh, battle royale within the government between those who want to stand up to these adolescents, first and foremost, Tony Blinken and Jacob Sullivan, uh, if that's what's going on here, uh, we have another straw in the wind, don't we? Uh, why was it that Mikey Morell former acting head of the CIA, decided to throw Tony Blinken under the bus. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are a lot of dots out there, and probably some of them don't really connect very well, but it cries out for some explanation. 
Morel is a, is a very, very sensitive political guy. Now, why would he throw Tony Blinken under the bus? This is pretty damning stuff that Blinken asked him to get involved with 50 other high-level uh, intelligence and security officials to make sure that the, uh, the, the Biden mess uh, before the election was suppressed. And we know, as you know, that the New York Post was kicked off Twitter, for God's sake. There were all kinds of people in Twitter to make sure that Joe Biden won this election uh, and, and didn't have to answer questions about his wayward son. You know, I have nothing against prodigal sons, but that was really damning. And it was suppressed just as just as other things are being suppressed by the major right. media. So let, let's try and wrap our arms around this. What you are discussing is a deposition that Mike Morrell, the former acting director of the CIA, uh, gave to the, the House Oversight uh, Committee investigating uh, whether or not the government is appropriately investigating and appropriately uh, building a case against uh, Hunter Biden on account of information or data that was contained uh, on the laptop. And in the course of that deposition, he revealed that a letter that he and 50 other former high-ranking um, Intel, American Intel officials signed uh, in October uh, of 2020, opining uh, that the contents of the laptop had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, that all of that was instigated by Tony Blinken, then a senior official in the Biden uh, election campaign, now the Secretary of State of the United States. It seems to me that Mike Morrell was only too happy to do this favor for Biden he wanted Biden to win. He wanted to be the director of the CIA, a job he didn't get. It went to another seasoned professional, uh, Bill Burns, who uh, still has the job uh, now. He didn't say that the letter was false and that this wasn't their opinion, but he did say it was instigated by Tony Blinken. So why he would want to throw Tony Blinken under the bus in the same time period that all this information comes out in the Teixeira documents that the government itself believes we are losing the war, that the government itself recognizes that we can't get enough ammunition to Ukraine, that the government itself knows that the Ukraine air defenses have been degraded uh, practically down to zero. Your, uh, your suggestion is pro suggesting is probably not a coincidence that this is all coming out at once. Does, uh, yes, Judge. <clears throat> you know, does, there are some dots that don't shouldn't be connected and others that can. You can't be sure, right? I mean, Morell is a slippery character. That letter, I don't know what the adjective is. It shameful or is it shameless? My God, that I think was they, awful. I think they mean I think they mean the same thing here. <laughs> one one means you should have shame, and the other means you're so hardened you don't. <laughs> okay, both both end, you know. You know, I know some of the guys on that list. I never worked with them because they came after my time. But, you know, there are a couple on there that are actually pretty pretty good honest people in other respects and they get sucked into this stuff so that they can continue to have lunch with Condi Rice 
so they can continue to have really big salaries at prestigious institutes like Stanford, and they can't shake themselves away. They can't say no. They can't say no to the fraternity. And this is really, really sad because one person in particular didn't belong on that list. I called him on it right away. And he said, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, there was one guy that stood up this way, and that is uh, David Kay. Do you remember David Kay? I do remember David Kay. I think Kay, well, what, I think Kay worked with Scott Ritter, didn't he? Well, uh, he knew about Scott Ritter, but he was hired by George Tenet to find those weapons of mass destruction that weren't there, right? right okay? Right, right, They right. spent a billion dollars and killed a lot of American Marines and, and Army guys looking for those what they knew were non-existent weapons of mass destruction. When he finally came back, <clears throat> he said, look, I was deceived. I thought there had to be weapons of mass. Look at all the people that were saying there were. There weren't any. Now, when he was asked to explain how it could be so frank, he said, look, I know about Vietnam. <clears throat> I know what people did just so that they could preserve a seat at the luncheon table with high dignitaries. I don't want any part of that. This was a fraud. Uh, George Tenet, when I came back and I told him that he said, he put me in this little thing without a computer. I'm out of here. This is the truth. There never were WMD and they knew it from the outset. Wow. All now right. there are very few people like that. And that's what I'm saying. All 51 of these people succumb to this blandishment that, you know, you really have to stay part of the, part of the system to keep your job or to keep your luncheon with Condi Rice. Okay. I want to get back to um, the, to share, we'll call them the Teixeira documents. Does okay. the fact that they were released 14, first released 14 months ago and not a peep about it until March and April of this year, 13, 14 months later, does the uh, Mike Morrell throwing uh, Tony Blinken under the bus lend credence to the argument that it is more likely than not that Teixeira was a pawn or a stooge or a dupe for someone significantly north of him on the totem pole who wanted this stuff out there to embarrass Blinken, to embarrass uh, Lloyd Austin to embarrass the president, to expose the government for killing and lying about it. Yeah, Judge, it can be more altruistic, actually, than just an attempt to embarrass these clowns. Uh, we're facing a denouement in Ukraine. We're facing an alliance between Russia and China that is not going to let Russia lose in Ukraine. We're facing a situation where the Ukrainians, if they mount this counteroffensive, are going to get slaughtered. What's going to happen then? Okay. Now, I think whoever was responsible for making sure that the Post and the BBC and the Times knew these stories is just distressed out of his or her mind at what might happen, because there's no indication that Blinken or Jacob Sullivan might not listen. There's every hint that he might listen to these naval Admiral, oh, we have these little mini nukes, you know, if push comes to shove, we'll just uh, drop a little mini nuke there. That'll deter the Russians. That would be, that would be crazy. But, you know, they've done a lot of crazy things already. If I'm Pucci and I'm looking at that, I can't, I can't count on uh, compass mentis type people, not only at the very top, 
but even the underlings like Blinken and uh, Sullivan. Uh, Foreign Policy Magazine reports this morning that in late March, President Zelensky said that Ukraine could not begin its so-called counteroffensive until Western nations send uh, more weapons. Why would he say that uh, publicly? And what, you is, know, it, what is this about a counteroffensive? That Russians are inexorably, slowly, but inexorably marching westward. What is Ukraine going to do? Lob some artillery into Crimea? Well, if Victoria Nuland has her way, that's precisely what they'll do. Uh, they're not going to get away with that, of course. Uh, what's going to happen here is that, by all indications, if the Ukrainians are forced to mount this counteroffensive, which the U.S. and Ukraine have been bragging about, even though Zelensky has been saying more than once, we can't do this unless we get Western weaponry of a higher grade, and we're not going to get it. They're not going to get it in time. We warned President uh, Biden in late January that all these tanks and all this stuff doesn't matter because they'll be late to the party. It's exactly what we said, okay? So here's Zelensky saying we can't do it because we don't have the right equipment. Here's the U.S. and other generals saying, oh, you got to do it. So does he do it? If he does, he's going to get slaughtered. And that means that the Russians will have free reign all the way to the Dnieper River. Then maybe, then maybe the U.S. will come to its senses, but the Russians have no, no real reason to believe that even then they won't up the ante and even threaten further escalation. So these true reports, uh, you know, whether they're intended to do that or not, they have that effect. And I assume that they are intended to do how, that. How would a... Um senior member of uh, the military, say a three or a four star in the Pentagon or a senior person uh, in the CIA, get this stuff into the hands of a 21-year-old kid so that he can be the patsy and the senior member and those in collaboration with him or her can get this data out there. Is it difficult to do? Well, uh, not so difficult. Now, I understand these computers can do magical things, okay? <laughs> I'm old enough to know of a time before computers, but there are limitless things that you can do to, to put blame on, on to Sarah and other people. I don't know exactly how it worked. What I kind of regret is all the emphasis on exactly what Sarah did and not what the some of the mainstream press is doing, although there have been sort of blacksliding now. You know, the Newsweek is saying, well, maybe the Russians, maybe the Russians were responsible for these leaks. You know, just like they were responsible for blowing up their own pipeline. Give me a break. So there's a there's a, a pushback from some parts of the government. But this latest thing with uh, Hunter Biden, you know, this latest thing with uh, uh, Blinken being thrown under the bus by none other than this sleazy character called Mike Morell. Uh, I, I connect that dot, even though it's a pretty, uh, it's, well, it's, uh, my business was to connect dots because I was an analyst, okay? That's what we did. Right. Uh, it's not conclusive, but I think this is another little straw in the wind. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Dmitry Medvedev, President uh, uh, Putin's predecessor, so Putin's 
president of Russia twice at the time the Russian constitution didn't permit a third term. Medvedev was president for four years. They changed the constitution. He's now in his fifth or, or sixth term, but not all consecutive. Uh, Mr. Medvedev, former president Medvedev is the number two person in the Russian equivalent of the National Security Council. I'm just setting right. this up. But over the weekend, uh, he made a very incendiary uh, comments about Poland, suggesting that what Poland wants is really some sort of a Lithuanian Poland Ukrainian empire, whereby Western Ukraine is a part of Poland. I had not heard this argument uh, before. Why would he be saying something like this? And why is he picking a fight with the Poles who are just anxious to lead a NATO charge into uh, Ukraine? Yeah, uh, I fear first and foremost, a bipolar pole who will sail one of his MiG-29s and do some real destruction within Russia. Uh, I think Medvedev, uh, he's the bad cop here. Okay. He's the guy that speaks up really, really strongly. He's trying to deter the polls. He's trying to say, look, we know about, we know about what your aspirations are. We know that, you, that many Ukrainians are from the West are already in Poland, and we know that you stand ready with 200,000 troops to intervene if you so desire. But we're not going to tolerate that. And, you know, we're, we're aware of all this and just don't even think about it. I think that's what Medvedev is doing. Medvedev has quite a, quite a record of speaking out. Uh, and not just recently. I recall back in 2011 in, at, a, at a summit yeah, in Seoul, Korea, he told, he told Obama in an overheard ABC microphone, he said, look, uh, Vladimir is really interested in talking about these so-called anti-ballistic missiles. Uh, He's really concerned about that. And Obama's caught saying, look, uh, uh, give me me some space to win the election here, and then we'll we'll talk about this, okay? And and Medvedev says, oh, yes, I'll, I'll tell Vladimir. Verbatim, okay? So what happened? Oh, Obama forgot about it. They never talked about these systems. I'm going to give a big speech uh, tomorrow night up at Madison, uh, Massachusetts Peace Action on precisely how it came to be that these intermediate or medium-range ballistic missiles are now around the periphery in Poland and Romania, and that Biden promised not to put them in Ukraine. He promised that on the 30th of December, 2021, then he reneged, and he reneged clearly six months, six weeks later, two weeks after that, the invasion of Ukraine. It was a contributing factor, not the only factor. Here, here's um, some of the incendiary language from President Medvedev. The Poles are once again dreaming of restoring the interstate union with Ukraine and revival of the underdone empire of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth from sea to sea, having no intellectual power for creating a viable image of the future and living up to its reputation as a country toppled over into the past, Poland is drawing inspiration from 400-year-old maps when parts of today's Ukraine still belong to it. Imperial hallucinations are pushing the Polish society into the abyss of severe historical breakage. 
Warsaw elites can't wait to see themselves taking geopolitical revenge on Russia, including reconstructing the Parishlav, you'll have to tell me what that is, agreement. Emboldened by the current circumstances, Poland has decided that the chance to absorb the remnants of Ukraine is to be taken now or never. Wow. Didn't he also say about a month ago that if the Russian troops needed to, they would go all the way to the Polish-Ukraine border? He, he did, yeah. What uh, Medvedev, <clears throat> Medvedev actually is the word for bear, okay? So here's the Russian bear speaking. His, his last name is the symbol yeah. of Russian society, the yeah. bear. Yeah, and he's drawing on Russian history. Now, Americans don't necessarily know that as we were coming out of the dark ages, the Russians were for two centuries under the rule of the Mongols, uh, Genghis Khan and his golden horde, okay? When they finally got out from under that, they were attacked by the Poles and the Lithuanians and the Hanseatic League, and they, were, they had to fend those off for another century, okay? We're talking 16th century, 17th century now. Every Russian school boy or girl knows that history. And so it's speaking to these people saying, look, you know, the Poles are at it again, and the Lithuanians, and of course the proof is in the pudding, the Poles and the Lithuanians are at it again. They're egging on the rest of NATO, dragging France and Germany by the, you know, watts to, to get, become more aggressive. And, uh, you know, the Russians have to contend with that, but appealing to Russian history is a real good way to sensitize the Russian population. Look, this happened before. This is recidivism. This is recidivist imperialism. Watch out. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. And still, Joe Biden and the American government has no off-ramp here. Yeah, the only off-ramp would be a very distasteful one. <clears throat> if I were advising them, I would say, look, now's the time to deal. Uh, you have the Vatican you could go to for good offices. You have China, you have Brazil, you have uh, Lukashenko. In, they're all calling for a ceasefire and negotiation. What the hell? I mean, you know, the first thing you do is you stop the bleeding, right? Right. My God, don't you have a conscience? You stop the bleeding. And then you get around the table and you figure out what the best deal you can do. You give and take, Okay. That's not happening, and that's because of these adolescents that are advising, really not advising, they're running a show there together with Victoria Nuland. That's dangerous, and the only hopeful thing I see in all these revelations is that there seems to be, a, uh, it seems to be opposition to that now, and the truth will make us free. The truth could end this thing once Americans are educated to the fact that we were lied to, that Ukraine could win, we were lied to, that World War III could be avoided uh, and, and we could win and the Russians lose. I mean, it can't be avoided. Uh, Biden can't have both. He can't win in Ukraine, defeat Russia, and avoid World War III. Brilliantly put, uh, Ray. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I can tell from all the commenters you are uh, wildly popular and very much approved by this audience and certainly by this host. Thank you, my dear friend. Well, thank you, Judge.
Sure. If you like what you just saw and heard, like and subscribe. Judge Napolitano, more as we get it. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.